illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heiner Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. How in the hell are you doing, Beach? Billy, I am just living the dream up here in the beautiful town of Dundee. It's just a great day to be a beaver, isn't it? Well, yes, because that means you ain't a freaking duck. That's exactly right. I had, I had uh, someone text me after the game and say, yeah, well, now the beaver nation won't be getting their Christmas present. And I said, we get the best Christmas present every year. We don't wake up as freaking ducks. Absolutely. So. Our our our. Our our um, uh, our hopes and dreams are are not based upon our our team's wins or losses. You know, on their team's wins. No, we actually just are a fan because we support the team. Correct. In wins and losses. Correct. We don't burn our shirts because we have a uh, a non-winning season. We don't take the stickers off the back of our our vehicles because we didn't get uh, an invitation to the national championship. You know what? We we. Uh, we, we take pride in the team when we win and when we lose because, by God, we're wearing the orange and black and not the green and yellow. Damn straight. Or whatever color they decide to wear that week. Like, yeah. Freaking assholes. <laughs> the, purpose anyway. of, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State Beavers and others and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgate, and have some fun along the way. So, Beads, let's cut right to the chase and get into a little beaver sports news. Are you ready? Sounds good, Billy. Let's bear back this bitch. All right, first up is women's volleyball. Oh, speaking of not just kidding. Wow. <laughs> the Oregon State volleyball team, which has been riddled with injuries this fall, struggled Wednesday evening against number 20 Washington State, falling in three sets. Then 
I, uh, time to put a fork in that one. I think it's done. Yeah. Well, the team came out pretty hot on senior night, giving number 17 all it can handle in the opening set. However, the Beavers couldn't maintain the pressure in the later sets and lost the Civil War three sets to one. Now, the Civil War marked the close of the 2018 season for the Beavers, who finished the year with a record of 11-21 and 21 overall and just 1-19 and 19 in Pac-12 play. Ain't going to a dance with that record. No, 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 you are not. So, uh, and we are quickly closing out the fall sports and heading into the winter sports. So, uh, let's talk a little women's basketball, Beach. I'm always loving the women's basketball, Billy. The number eight Oregon State women's basketball team took down Western Kentucky 74-60 to Thursday evening at the Vancouver Showcase in Vancouver, British Columbia. Junior Michaela Pivik stuffed the stat sheet, finishing with 18 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals, while senior Katie McWilliams scored 17 points on 6-for-9 shooting, while Destiny Slocum tallied 18 points and 5 assists. Then on Friday, uh, in the winner's bracket of that tournament, the Beavs took on number 13, South Carolina. And in that game, senior Katie McWilliams knocked down a pair of free throws with less than 2 seconds remaining to lift the number 9 Oregon State Beavs over the Gamecocks, 70-68. Now, in that game, Beavs, the Beavs led for nearly the entire game, but South Carolina even the score at 68 with 25 seconds left. McWilliams drew a foul just as time was running out and knocked down both free throws to give the Beavs the win. Nice. McWilliams finished with 14 points on 5 for 8 shooting from the floor. Sophomore Taya Corsdale matched her with 14 points and also tallied 4 rebounds and 3 assists. Then in the championship game of the Vancouver Showcase, the Beavs led the majority of the game, but were unable to hold off number one ranked and reigning national champion Notre Dame as the Irish took the game 91-81. to Now, the Beavs <clears throat> led that game as late as 540 left in the fourth quarter and were within five points with two minutes left. Now, with that loss, Oregon State moves to 5-1 and one on the season. Now, in that game, Beach, Destiny Slocum led the Beavs with 22 points, while junior Michaela Pivik finished with 17, eight rebounds, and five assists. And Cat Tudor hit four three pointers on her way to 16 points. The Beavs did were, they just collapse in the? Did they just collapse in the end? Well, uh, you're you're playing number one, and and uh, Notre Dame is very very good. So, but what I like to hear, Beach, if you listen to that, there's all different names that are leading in different categories every game, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like one. Yeah. It's not like one player going out and dominating. You got Slocum, you got Pivik, you got Tudor, you got Corsdale. You got to lay a good man. There's they're they're looking pretty good, especially this early in the season, and to give you know to beat number thirteen and give number one a run for their money, it's pretty impressive. The one thing I'd like to see, Beach, in, in both of those games, the Beavs jumped out to big leads early, but were not able to hold on. So mm-hmm. what they need to do is work on keeping the pressure up. Maintain. Yep, maintain, dude, maintain. <laughs> now, Beavs. Beach, uh, the Beavs will return home this week for a matchup with LaSalle on Saturday. That game will tip off at noon. All right. On to men's basketball. Trace how's, how's Tink- how I was going to say, how's Tinkle and the boys doing? Well, Trace Tinkle had a career-high 32 points and 12 rebounds, and Oregon State shook off a slow start to beat Penn last Monday, 74-58, to in, th- in the third-place game of the Paradise Jam. Stephen Thompson Jr. added 11 points, 6 assists, and 4 steals. And Kyler Kelly scored 10 for the Beavs, who overcame an early nine-point deficit at the University of Virgin Islands Sports 
and Fitness Center. Now, uh, just uh, today, Beach, or Sunday as you're listening to this, Ethan Thompson mm-hmm. scored 18 points, and Stephen Thompson Jr. added 17 to lead Oregon State to a 75-72 win over Long Beach State on Sunday afternoon at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. Now, the Beavs, who are now 5-1, and one, used a 15-3 second-half run to take an 11-point lead and held on for a true road win over the 49ers. Tinkle scored 12 points and grabbed 9 rebounds. Gilgory Rokosevich added 10 points and 6 boards, and Kyler Kelly finished with 6.7 boards and 5 block shots. Now, the Beavs return home for their next game to host Missouri State at 4 p.m. on Saturday at Gill. Okay. There you go. Hey, Billy. Yeah, Beach. Do you hear that? I do. Hold on here. Let me, let me rip this bitch. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. University of Oregon begins effort to start classless society. November 23rd, the University of Oregon football team began its, its effort to begin a classless student body. This classless system is not a noble one where people try to improve the lives of the poorest among us by lifting others up from poverty or bad circumstances. No, this classless effort was the final two plays of the Civil War. With less than a minute of playing time left, Oregon, with a 55-15 to lead over Oregon State, rather than taking a knee to allow the clock to run out and the game to end, or possibly putting in second and third string players to get an opportunity on the field, the Ducks handed off to Travis Dye, their starting running back, for an 11-yard gain for a first down. Then, on the next and final play of the game, handed off again to Dye for a two-yard gain to end the Civil War on OSU's 38-yard line. What the hell for? Did Dye need the exercise? Was the second string of the team unable to play, or possibly they didn't want to dirty their peep-colored uniforms? Was it arrogance? Perhaps intimidation? No, it was a complete dick move by a completely classless team and coaching staff. If Dye or any other player would have been injured on those final plays, it would have served them right. Any quality team would have set themselves in the victory formation and taken a knee or put their non-starters in to run out the clock. It spares potential injury to top-performing players, and it maintains a little class, something the University of Oregon lacks. This ends your update from Eugene. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, do you, dicks. Did you really expect anything less? Absolutely classless move. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I sat there in the in the stands, and I'm like going, I don't get this. Why aren't you just taking the knee? Why are you running your first string? You know, I really want to. I mean, I, and I, not that I like to see injuries, even though they are part of a game. But I would have liked to have seen him injure the guy just for the sake that that was a stupid ass move a prick move, an arrogant move, and it just solidifies my view uh, of the University of Oregon. Yeah. I mean, I like mean, I said, does it, does it surprise you? No. Yeah. No, I just, I thought maybe this coach was a little less of a prick. No, he's a prick. So. I think I think anyway. that's, I, I, the only one, in my opinion, that wasn't was Helfrich, and they, they fired him. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty much. If you look at pretty much all their coaches, Dana Altman, you know, has rapists and all sorts of pieces of crap on his basketball team. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. So, anyways. All right, Beach. Well, with that, are you ready to go under further review for week number 13 
in the yes. Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown! Yeah. All right, Beach. So heading into the final week of the regular season, kind of, um, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was in third place with 45 out of 83. You were in second place with 49 out of 83. And I was leading the pack with 51 out of 83. All right, Beach. So this week we had, looks like, seven more games. Yep, seven games. Yep, I would I would concur. Okay, we had two games on on Friday night, the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, who who'd we have first? Um, well, actually, the first well we had on the list, the first team we had listed, even though it was the second game of the day, was the University of Washington versus the Washington State University Cougars. That's correct. Beach. In Pullman, it was a freaking snowy ass game and, over there. And the thing is, it didn't start out snowing. It wasn't snowy when it started. That, I, I heard him on all... the news saying. Oh, it's 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 melting as soon as it hits the field. Yeah, then it did. Yeah, exactly. It didn't. You know, the, you, I I could only imagine there was a uh, fumble on the play where I looked at the fumble. The 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 Huskies ended up dropping it or something, and, or not got pulled out, and the the Cougs ended up recovering. And I sat there and going, that ball is hard as hell. Oh yeah. There is no way you're going to be able to keep a good handle on it. Nope. So. So who yeah. who did everybody take Beach? We all stepped on our peckers, and we we all picked Wazoo. Well, I think without the snow, it would have been a different game. I think uh, that their aerial attack was destroyed by that hard ball. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Washington running back Miles Gaskin broke free for an 80-yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter, and number 16 Washington won its second Pac-12 North Division title in three years, beating number seven Washington State. 28-15 to 15 on Friday night. Now, Gaskin rushed for 170 yards and three touchdowns, a year after running for 192 and four scores against the Cougars. He was the best player in the field on a night Washington needed its senior ball carrier to be just that. Now, Washington State carried the Pac-12's last remaining hope of finding a way into the college football playoff. But the air raid was mostly grounded by a combo, combo of snow and Washington's sticky secondary. Gardner Minshew finished 26 of 35 for just 152 yards, Beach. It was, uh, it, like I said, it was tough. You know, I was watching the game, and I think it was the second quarter. Yep. And the snow is starting to stick, and, and we went over to Abby's Pizza and, and watched it over there. And um, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching with Dad. I'm like, hey, Dad, they, they, they looks like they cleared out some of the snow on the field because you can actually see the markers. Uh-huh. And then the next show, the shot you see, you realize – and I didn't know that they, they had this technology, but it was the TV people that were able to remove the snow from the field. Really? It was still there. Yeah. Yeah. You know how they can draw the yellow lines or whatever across it? Yeah. yeah they, they, they were able to draw the down, the, you know, the yard markers on there and, and, uh, and uh, make it look like they actually plowed them it. off. Yeah, they, I didn't realize you know, that. Could you imagine? I mean, I was telling dad, I said, you know, not only does it make the ball hard and everything else to deal with and tough to see, but when you're running a route, you don't even know how far you are down the field. No. You know, it's, no. I, I, you know, it's like, here, go, go out 20 and take a left. I'm like, where in the hell's 20? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it, I, I could, I could only imagine the difficulty. I mean, and you know, the aerial tech has, has a lot of promises, but, uh, on a, on a snowy ass day, it sure, sure gets hindered. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, I was I was rooting for Washington State, not not only so the Pac-12 could have some uh, representation, 
and and not that I like Leach all that much, but I just thought it was such a, a great season for them. And they, uh, yeah, I just, I was really rooting. Anyway, it is what it is. Huskies will uh, hopefully represent well in the, uh, well, we'll see. They got to still take on Utah. So that's going to be a good game. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Right. Next game. None of us got to win there. Okay. Next up, Beach was Oregon at Oregon State in the Civil War. And we all picked Oregon State because that's our loyalty. Yep. Oregon running back C.J. Verdell ran for 187 yards and four TDs and also caught a scoring pass as Oregon defeated Oregon State 55-15 to Friday in a Civil War victory that also featured Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert's first-half injury. Now, Herbert threw for 102 yards and a touchdown before he appeared to injure his shoulder or upper arm on a sack and left the field on a cart. Now, Verdell's five touchdowns were the most for a duck since 2012. Travis Dye also ran for 199 yards and two more touchdowns for Oregon. Now, it also might have been the final game for Beavers quarterback Jake Luton, who threw for 282 yards and two scores. Luton has been beset by injuries during his Oregon State career, including a thoracic spine fracture last season and a high ankle sprain this season. There's a possibility that Oregon State could petition for a six-year of eligibility for Luton because of medical hardship. Now, Oregon State true freshman running back Jamar Jefferson ran for 64 yards in the loss. Jefferson ranked 7th nationally with 119.6 yards rushing per game going into the Civil War. Isaiah Hodgins had 8 catches for 133 yards for the Beavs. Jefferson had a disappointing game. Yeah, the the Beavers just did, period. Um, You know, Oregon was basically lining up to stop the run. Mm -hmm. and, And the Beavs just kept shooting themselves in the foot. You know, they got kind of cute with a couple of trick plays. Uh, the first being when they were down on the three-yard line and brought in Coletto for what looked like was going to be a running play, and then he tried that jump pass that was picked off in the end zone. And then there was also that complete garbage. Partial flea, reverse, flea flea flicker, liberty. Yeah, yeah flea flicker, piece of was. garbage. Yeah, they were just I, trying I, to get I think you would, you would name that train wreck. Let, let's run train wreck. Yeah, and the, the problem with that is, you know, when both of those plays were run, there was no need to run them. You know, the, when it was on the, the, the three-yard line, you had first and goal from the three. Just run the damn ball. Yeah. Just pound it in there three times. Yeah. And then the other one, the train wreck, they had a first down. Mm-hmm. You had a first down, and you pulled that piece of crap, and I just that just kind of killed any momentum the Beavs had going. And, and, and I have to say, this was – some of the worst for the season, worst rushing defense I've ever seen. Yeah. I would bet every running back the Beavs played against had their best game of the season against the Beavs. Do you, uh, do you think it's players coaching combination thereof? I think it's, uh, well, I, I, I think a lot of it is just your players. You're young and super inexperienced. And that just really brings you down. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to give I, I'm willing to give the players and coaches a pass on that at this point because they're playing so many young guys. Yeah. So uh, you know, if this happens again next year, then then there's an issue. But right now, you know, like I said, you know, that one guy that Tago, he only turned seven, he only turned 18 a couple weeks ago. For the beefs. Just a kid. Yeah. So, anyways. 
So that's that. Um, you want to talk about the tailgater? Yeah, let's talk about some positive stuff here. Well, it was a great freaking tailgater. <laughs> I counted up. We made 114 sandwiches. Nice. Yeah. Not not too bad for a, a, a 1 o'clock kickoff. And uh, I thought it turned out pretty dang good. What do you think? I, I thought we had a uh, – I thought it was good. I deep fried the hell out of everything. There wasn't much left when I was done. Good. Good, good, so good. So did you – yeah. So – um, no, I thought it went well. thought everybody had a good time. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a great season this year. I thought our, I thought our menus did pretty well. Yeah. Um, I... and even, even for a, uh, um, so a couple of bad game times uh-huh. and, uh, 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 lackluster season, we had a lot of people show up. Yeah, no, I thought, so... I thought we had great attendance. I thought the food was always really good. I, you know, I, of course I, we're going to be biased a little bit, but yeah. yeah, but I just thought everything worked really well. I thought people had a good time. Um, it was great. I, I just thought it was great. Yeah. So anything so, else to add to that? Not really. I'm looking forward to next year. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think it'll be, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it sucks. We got to wait. What? Nine months. How many months we got? Yeah, about ten months, I guess. Well, as of as of Sunday, we have two hundred and seventy eight days. Okay. There you go. <sighs> I was really hoping to go bowling this year. Yeah. I really wanted to go somewhere in the winter. Me too. Me too. Especially somewhere warm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Oh, let's well. let's get back to uh, looking at the game. So none of us got the point there. Uh, next up, Beach Stanford at UCLA. Um, Stanford at UCLA. We. Uh, we all stepped on our pecker, I believe, on this one, and I'll pick Stanford. Well, you can do that. I'll take Stanford for the win. Stanford had oh, did nine. They, I, did they win? I thought UCLA won. Nope. Stanford. Oh, well, son of a bitch. Yep. Stanford had nine pass plays of 15 or more yards with four resulting in touchdowns. And quarterback K.J. Costello completed 23 of 37 for 344 yards and a career-high five TDs as they extended their winning streak over the Bruins to 11 games with a 49-42 win. Now, the Cardinal trailed 42-41 to 41 midway through the fourth quarter. Hold on. I've got to drink some water here. I'm having a hard time. Stay hydrated, Billy. It's important. When the, midway through the fourth quarter, when the junior threw a 52-yard touchdown pass to Osiris St. Brown, Bryce Love ran it in for a, the two-point conversion to put them up by a touchdown. UCLA drove to the Stanford 43 with under a minute remaining before turning it over on downs. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had seven receptions for 106 yards and caught three touchdown passes. He has 14, which ties the school's single-season record, first set by James Lofton in 1978. Trenton Irvin had seven receptions for 103 yards, also had a touchdown, while Love rushed for 85 yards on 22 carries with a TD. UCLA quarterback Wilton Spate was 29 of 47 for 466 yards and an interception wow. and one rushing touchdown in his final collegiate game. Tight end Caleb Wilson was his main target with nine receptions for 184 yards. So Bitch Tits lost his game. Yep. Good. So we all got the win there, Beej. Up okay. next. For some reason I, th- I, I for some reason I thought it was the other way, but alrighty, I'll take it. Next up, Beej. I'm not proud. Arizona State at Arizona. What's this the battle for? The battle for the Territorial Cup? Territorial Cup. Okay. Um, so, 
you and I picked uh, picked Arizona State. Why Kyle picked uh, picked Wildcats? He must be a Sandra Bullock fan from the movie Speed. There you go. Tell the Wildcats sitting there. All right. Arizona State running back Eno Benjamin scored on a 22-yard touchdown as Arizona State rallied from a 19-point deficit to beat rival Arizona 41-40 on Saturday. Arizona led 40-21 heading into the fourth quarter after Khalil Tate threw his third TD pass of the game, eight yards to Tony Ellison. Arizona State started its rally with Wilkins' 11-yard touchdown run and two-point conversion. Asari Crosswell's interception return to Arizona's 22-yard line set up Brandon Ruiz's 39-yard field goal. Then the Sun Devils recovered J.J. Taylor's fumble at the Arizona 22-yard line. Benjamin then bust up the middle, cut outside, and finished off his third touchdown of the game to put the Devils up 41-40 with 3.08 left. The Wildcats wow. got the ball back and marched down the field, but Josh Pollock, who had made four field goals, pushed a 45-yard attempt wide right with 11 seconds to go. Heartbreaking. Yep. So you and I got the win there. Kyle, however, did not. Up next, Beach, Colorado at Cal. We all uh, we all felt that uh, that uh, Colorado was on a death spiral, so we all picked Cal for this one. How did we do? Elijah Hicks and Ashton Davis scored on interception returns for touchdowns in the first quarter as Cal forced a season-high five turnovers and rolled past Colorado 33-21 on Saturday. Chase Garbers passed for 116 yards and two TDs while absorbing several big hits early as the Golden Bears clinched their first winning season since 2015, despite nearly blowing a 17-point lead. Hicks put Cal ahead with a 34-yard pick six off quarterback Steven Montez. Davis followed with a 35-yard interception return for a touchdown just 45 seconds later. Davis added another interception late in the second quarter. Now for Cal, Garbers threw touchdown passes of one and seven yards. The second came after the Buffaloes cut the Bears' lead to 27-21. Now Montez for Colorado passed for 170 yards with two touchdowns and three interceptions. Kyle Evans added a one-yard touchdown run for Colorado. So they just imploded. Wow. Understand, they were the last undefeated team in the Pac-12. They were 5-0. and and proceeded to lose their final seven games. That is crazy. Yeah. Just, just, just a bit. Did they and did they lose any player that would that well, would uh, contribute they, to that? Or? They, they lost that Lavishka Chenault for a couple games. One of them being the Beaver game. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so. But he was back. He he was back for this game. Yeah. Wow. Yep. All right, so uh, we all got the win there. Up next, Beach. Notre Dame at USC. And we all picked uh, Notre Dame on this one, even Kyle. Now, do you know what they play for in this game? Um, well, they weren't playing for a touchdown Jesus, so I don't know. They play for the Bejeweled Shillelagh. Oh, that's right, the Bejeweled Shillelagh. Yeah. Hey, um, so is this an annual thing? Do they always play? Is, well, it, is it like an agreement between USC and, and uh, Notre Dame? We can get into that in just a second. Notre, okay. Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book passed for 352 yards. Dexter Williams went 52 yards on a go-ahead touchdown run. And number three, Notre Dame completed an unbeaten regular season and likely secured a playoff spot with a 24-17 victory over longtime rival USC. Now, Williams rushed for 97 yards as the Irish overcame a slow start. 
in the 90th edition in this famed intersectional rivalry. Notre Dame didn't score until Chris Finke's TD catch shortly before halftime, but the Irish ran off 24 consecutive points and shut out USC in the second half until Tyler Vaughn's TD catch with 48 seconds to play. Now for USC, JT Daniels passed for 349 yards for the Trojans, who will stay home for the bowl season after their first losing season since 2000. Vaughn's caught 12 passes for 120 yards. So 90 years they've been playing that that right Wow. Yeah. So Hold on, I'm looking up the bejeweled shillelagh right now. Did you not know what it looked like? I I just wonder. Yeah, so a shillelagh is like a it's like a weapon. It's they like call a, it. They call it the jeweled shillelagh. Okay, not the, the, the jeweled shillelagh, but it's 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 got uh, it's like a long root with a ball on the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. What it Very is? Phallic-y. Well, it's a weapon. Is it? Yeah. Well, some say mine's a weapon too. You could use that to bash people over the head with. Mine too. There you go. So if you just bash your hand with it. Typically, yeah. Bad hand. Bad hand. All right. So uh, we all got the win there. It's, uh, it, 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 yeah. Where did it, Do we know where it came from? I'm not sure. Ooh, well, let, let's find out here. It's in Wikipedia. God bless Wikipedia. You know, I'm sure glad mom and dad never invested into the Encyclopedia Britannica with all those commercials back in the 80s. That would have been a real waste. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, da 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 da. Da 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 da. da. Where is the shillelagh? This talks the Newt Rockney years, the early years. Yada yada yada. Has all the outcomes all together. Ooh, here we go. The jeweled shillelagh. You know, I didn't know how to spell shillelagh. Now I'll never forget. S H I L L E L A G H. Shillelagh. Legaha. Okay, is the trophy awarded the winner of the annual Notre Dame-USC football rivalry rivalry game? The Shillelagh, an Irish club, is made of oak or backthorn saplings from Ireland. On the end of the club is engraved the following, from the Emerald Isle. The trophy was introduced in 1952 to commemorate the first game in the series played on December 4th, 1926. The trophy was donated by the Notre Dame Alumni Club of Los Angeles, that's interesting. So the Notre Club of Los Angeles stating that this shillelagh will serve to symbolize in part the high tradition, the keen rivalry, and above all, the sincere respect which these two great universities have for each other. So that's cool. Each victory, a respective jeweled ornament is added to the footlong club. For each USC victory, a ruby adorned Trojan head is added, marked with the year and game score. For each Notre Dame victory, a similarly detailed emerald-studded shamrock is added. For the games, a combined Trojan head shamrock medallion, or for tie games, uh, a combined Trojan head shamrock medallion is used. Uh, In 1996, NCAA changed the rules to allow for overtime and thus no more ties possible. So although the shillelagh was introduced in 1952, the the medallions go back to the start of the series in 1926. Uh, in 1996, after USC defeated Notre Dame for the first time in 14 years, Notre Dame did not turn over the shillelagh, stating that it had run out of space for the Trojan heads and shamrocks after the 1989 game. 
the original shillelagh was retired in 1995 ceremony and is now permanently displayed at Notre Dame. Instead, Jim Gillis, former head of the Notre Dame Club of Los Angeles, commissioned a second shillelagh, longer, it's a long-ass shillelagh, longer than the original and handcrafted from Blackthorn in County uh, in count, County Leitrim with gold and jeweled medallions made by uh, made by images, jewelers of Elkhart, Indiana, uh, official jeweler of the University of Notre Dame. So anyway, cool. so the original one is on, on display, and the uh, the new one now has enough space to last, hopefully, another decade or two of bejewelment. Cool. We learned some really interesting facts on this little podcast. I, yeah. I hope our audience appreciates it. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so, it's a big old stick with a knot on it that you can bash guys <laughs> over the head with. It looks so much like a penis. Huh. It's like a bling penis. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, Beach, the final game of the week. Can't say the final game of the regular season because we have one more of those. Mm-hmm. BYU at Utah. It was the Holy War. So uh, Mormon against Mormon. <sighs> what is it? Non, um, non, Non-temple worthy? There you go. The non-temple worthy versus the temple worthy. Is that what you'd call that? Um, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, if any of you guys want to know what Temple Worthy is, you just uh, check out a uh, Mormon dating site, and you'll know. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I stood out, and I I picked uh, bring them young and bring them old, bring them any way you can, and you guys picked Utah. Yep. Two weeks after rallying against Oregon in the final minutes, the number 18 Utes did it again against BYU on Saturday, scoring 28 answered points in the final 16 minutes and beating the Cougs 35-27. to Jason Shelley threw for 141 yards and a touchdown and added 61 yards and another score on the ground to fuel the rally. Armand Schein also ran for a pair of touchdowns, including the glow-ahead score, to bring the Utes back from a 20-point third-quarter deficit. Utah gained only 296 yards, but beat the Cougars for the eighth straight time dating back to 2010. The Utes tallied 131 of those yards during the fourth quarter. Now, Zach Wilson threw for 204 yards and a pair of touchdowns for BYU. Wilson added 73 yards on the ground. Matt Hadley also ran for 64 yards and a pair of scores before leaving with an ankle injury in the fourth quarter. BYU totaled just 51 yards in the fourth quarter after piling up 306 through the first three. That opened the door for Utah to rally. All righty. So what's our total? Uh, what's our total uh, count now at this point? Well, out of ninety out of ninety games, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle's in third place with forty nine out of ninety. You are in second place with fifty three out of ninety. And I'm in first place, Beach, widening my lead with fifty six out of ninety. With only two games left in the season. That would make me the winner. <laughs> I heard that. I heard okay. that. This is the first all time right. anyone's ever finished up before the games were all over. Well, haven't we made like the last game worth like 10 points? Oh, is that what we're going to do? I thought that's what we've done in the past, but we don't. I mean, if you want to claim yourself a winner and you want to, you know, lord it over us and be a dick, that's fine. You can do that. Okay? I don't care. I'm okay with you being a dick. You always are. I'm not lording it. Right. Um, I think our audience would argue with that kind of sadistic dick laugh that you just had. No. I, I was doing I, that I, because you called me a jackass under your breath. I call you in all sorts of names under my breath and over my breath. All right. So uh, 
All right, Beach. So let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls. In the AP poll, Washington is up to number 10. Washington State fell to 13. Utah is up to 17. And Stanford and Oregon are in the others receiving votes category. In the USA Today coaches poll, Washington's at 11. Wazoo's again down to 13. Utah is at 17. And Stanford, Oregon, and Cal are in the others receiving votes category. Now, in the, in the college football playoff poll, now this is as of last week, Alabama was one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, Michigan four, Georgia five, Oklahoma six, with Ohio State on the outside looking in. But this week, Beach, Michigan lost. So that should move Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State up. I would imagine ahead of Michigan. Gotcha. And with this, um, this week, Alabama plays Georgia in the SEC championship game. So we'll see some movement there. Clemson, who's number two, plays Pitt in the ACC championship game. Notre Dame is done. So I think they've pretty much sealed themselves in. And it looks like, well, it'll be interesting to see. I would figure if whoever wins between Alabama and Georgia obviously will be in. If Clemson can win, they'll be in. Notre Dame should be in. And then we'll see after that. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be really, really interesting. We'll have something to talk about next week. Yep. All right, Beach. It is now time for your favorite segment of the week, the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, we're going to give it to sports media. Okay. Just, okay. just in general. What in did they general. do? In general. Well, I because I get like fake news, Billy. Is this like CNN fake news well, crap going I just, on? I just get tired of this crap because they're always trying to make themselves relevant and mm-hmm. give themselves something to talk about. It's why half of this. It's quite frankly, it's why the stupid Colin Kaepernick thing has kept going on because it yeah. gives them something to talk about all the time. Because they got nothing else to talk about. Exactly. So they never would have given them the attention. Nothing would have ever happened with that crap. But but this one is going in. Uh, has to do with something that was brought up by Dabo Sweeney um, of Clemson, the head coach of Clemson. Mm-hmm. He's uh, one of my wife's favorites just because he's a very passionate coach. I don't know if you saw, he was given a press conference a couple years ago when they won, won the national championship. And during that season, he was all fired up and he was talking, mm-hmm. he's going off and he goes, yeah, that game was B-I-B-O-G or B-Y-O-G, bring your own guts and all this stuff. And, and just like, I like that guy. You know, he gets fired up. But anyways, so, Beach, this week, Clemson coach Dabo Swinney is angry at those complaining about the second-ranked Tigers' latest dominant victory. Now, he said Sunday he was shown articles and reports critical of his team's play in a 56-35 to victory over South Carolina on Saturday. Now, Swinney said he'll never apologize for a three-touchdown win over his state rival. He said his goal has always been to win by, quote, one more point. And if that's not enough, it's time for me to move on somewhere else. 
Now, Swinney called those dissatisfied with the win shameful and said the criticism disrespected the work of his coaches and players who they have put in to achieve a perfect record. Now, Clemson will play Pitt in the ACC championship game Saturday night in Charlotte, North Carolina. And what happens, Beach, is this is stoked by the media saying, well, mm-hmm. they should have won by more points than this. And then it just filters down into into the, the, the public's opinion. And it's bullshit. I, I don't care how much we win by. Just win by one mm-hmm. more than the other other team. Score yeah. one more than the other team. And it's mm-hmm. bullshit. And they put this shit into when they start picking out some of these teams for the playoff. Well, that team beat that crappy team, but they should have beat them by more. So, you know, and it's like, what the hell? What the hell is that? And and I agree with them. It's crap. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's it's brought on by the sports media. Yeah. So, sports media, you're this week's. <laughs> jackass of the week. I just get tired of. Him. I'm really tired of ESPN. You know, I used to, well, I used to love. I, I I think I think they're they're losing so much of their uh, audience. They're desperate to keep themselves relevant. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I yeah. completely agree. You know, I've I've uh, I used to watch ESPN a lot, and now there's so much just drivel on it, where they're going at all sorts of kind of neo political crap, and I'm tired of it. Show me sports. I don't you know why I watch sports. So I don't do have, watch sports. So I don't have to deal with political crap. Yeah, that's true. It's an escapism. Yeah. yeah. And and that's all they give us. So anyways. So they're included in that. Bastards. All right. Of bitches. All right, Beach, on to a lighter note. It's now time for our musical interlude of the week. And this week it is my pick of a Queen song. And I am picking from the nineteen album nineteen eighty album The Game a song written by bassist John Deacon. Some would say kind of a disco hit. Another one bites the dust. Classic. Now, the song was a worldwide hit, charting number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 for three weeks uh, in October. That was their second number one single in this country. Now, the song Mm -hmm. spent 15 weeks in the Billboard Top 10, which was the longest-running Top 10 song of 1980, including 13 weeks in the top five and 31 weeks total on the chart. More than any other song in 1980. Now it reached number two on the Hot Soul Singles Chart and the Disco Top 100 Chart and number seven on the UK Singles Chart. Now the song is also credited as Queen's best-selling single all time with over 7 million copies sold. It won an American Music Award for Favorite Rock Single and also garnered a Grammy Award nomination for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. Now, John Deacon's bass line was inspired by Good Times by the disco group Chic. Um, uh, Chic co-founder Bernard Edwards stated that the Queen record, quote, the Queen record came about because that Queen bass player spent some time hanging out with us at our studio. Hmm. So he was hanging out while they were cutting their record, and uh, kind of got a disco vibe for it. Now, there are no synthesizers in this song, Beach. Really? All the effects are created by piano, electric guitars, and drums, with subsequent tape playback performed in reverse at various speeds. Now, okay. fin- finally, sound effects were run through the harmonizer for further processing, but there was no synthesizer. The effect of the harmonizer can be heard clearly in the swirling nature of the sound immediately before the first lyric. 
Now, in early life performances, uh, the drummer, uh, Taylor, sang lead on the chorus, as opposed to the studio version sung entirely by Mercury. Now, as the song became more well-known, the band could rely on audiences to sing the chorus by themselves. Nice. Now, lastly, Beach, after attending a Queen concert in L.A., Michael Jackson suggested to Freddie Mercury backstage that Another One Bites the Dust be released as a single. So the reason, really? The reason why it was released as a single was Michael Jackson. He was a big Queen fan. Now, here's one little piece of information, too, that just kind of goes back to the thing. Um, as was popular a number of early 80s songs, Christian evangelists alleged the song contained subliminal messages through a technique called backmasking. It was claimed that the chorus, when played in reverse, can be heard as, quote, decide to smoke marijuana, or it's fun to smoke marijuana, or start to smoke marijuana. Of course, nice. of course, spokesmen for their, their their U.S. labels always denied that the song contains any such message. People want to hear what they want to hear. People want to hear what they want to hear. That's exactly right. Get the, just like Ozzy Osbourne's. Get the gun. Get the gun. Yep. Shoot, 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 shoot. Yep. Yeah. Off oh, Suicide Solution. Yeah. A song that says suicide is no solution. Uh-huh. Yep. But right. it inspired some child to commit suicide. And Ozzy Osbourne was to blame. It wasn't bad parenting or maybe just a depressed child, but Ozzy Osbourne was responsible for the death of that child. All right. So uh, without any further ado, here is Another One Bites the Dust by Queen.
Listen to that song as a kid, Beach. You, you know, I was gonna say it was one of my. Uh, you know, I always like to say that uh, Van Halen's nineteen. Well, actually, Slade was probably the first rock album I ever listened to. Uh-huh. You're um, welcome. Followed up. What? You're welcome. Yeah, you. And he's uh, like, uh, "Keep your hands off my power supply" or something, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah. And and uh, then the next album, probably that that I was uh, influenced by was was Van Halen's nineteen eighty four. But. Uh, another one bites the dust. I remember always wanting to hear it on the radio and mom didn't listen. We listened to mostly country music back then. Mm-hmm. But then when, um, uh, weird Al Yankovic came out with another one rides the bus, it was like the next best thing. And that's the album I bought. That's Correct. what I was Correct. But still, still great, great, uh, great song. Right on. I do love it. All right. Let's look at, uh, week number 14 championship week in the pack 12. We'll only have two games to talk about. Um, first on Friday, Beach, the Pac-12 championship, Utah versus Washington at Levi Stadium. Um, I'm going to pick Utah. You are? Yeah. Okay. Because, because you have said throughout the year, Washington has some serious deficiencies. And... Um, I think that had that game been played differently, Wazoo would have won, and Utah has proven that they can come back and um, that that they, that they got the ability. So I'm 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 Utah on it. Yeah, I'm gonna take Washington. Okay, taking Washington. I don't have anything from Kyle. Nothing from Kyle. No, he didn't send me an email. So if he does, he can he can choose to send me an email, and I'll I'll add it. But he's kind of out of it right now, so check. Oh wait, wait. What? I'm just checking to see if he sent me an email. Nope, no emails. All right, Beach. And then the other game, the makeup game from all the smoke. I believe it's Stanford at Cal. Well, if we take our original our original picks, um, you and Kyle picked Cal. Oh, hold on, that was the wrong one. Uh, you and yeah, actually no, you and Kyle pick Cal, and I pick Stanford. Okay, I'm putting that down. There we go. So we'll see what the final tally ends up being. All right. All right. I still think Cal's got a better defense than Stanford has offense. Okay. All right, Beach. Well, they'll they'll prove it on the field. It's uh, now time to open up your computer because it's now time for the Tanner Boyle. 
Makes me want to puke, play of the week. Now, this is a, a segment that we don't open all the time, Beej. We only uh-huh. have it when I find a really good video clip of someone getting hurt. And so in this one, Beach, I, I don't know if you heard about this. Did you hear about the uh, injury in the UCF game? University Ooh, of Central Florida? I think I might have heard about this. I, I Briefly, do, do tell. Refresh me here. Well, I heard so... Some... Well, so... Um, uh, UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton suffered a pretty devastating leg injury um, on, I think it was, was that Saturday? I think it was on Saturday uh, in the second half or second quarter of their game okay. against South Florida. I'm watching it. So it was suffered on a third down play after scrambling to pick up a first down on third down. Milton took a hit to the right, the right leg from a defender making a tackle. Now he gets hit and goes down, Bees, and watch how his leg is turned. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. What the hell? Legs aren't supposed to turn like that. It's unturned. It's, 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 it's really it's, it's messed up. <laughs> it's like the whole knee is like not even connected to the freaking rest of the body. Yeah, it is, it is bad. I oh, showed, my God. I showed it to Gunner today, too, and he got weirded out. Oh, God. Everybody's sitting in the stands or holding their hand like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was bad because legs, oh. aren't, legs aren't supposed to be pointed that way. So, oh, um, and he's just in pain and, and oh, it's yeah. not moving. No, it's, it's flopping and everybody's around. Everybody's just like, get the hell away from him. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Cause you look at that and you know, it's wrong. Um, that said, Beach, he had successful surgery in a Tampa hospital today. Oh yeah. Now they haven't said the exact nature of his injury and subsequent surgery, but they had to work to stabilize his knee while working on other complications. He didn't even have a knee. The knee was so, gone. So, um, per the family, all information related to the injury right now is currently private. So, yeah, it was it was pretty devastating. Now, it's, well, wait, <laughs> the, the, well, the comments um, says here, legs aren't supposed to bend like that. He'll be in the same hospital as the grape. I don't understand that one. I think there was a uh, some about surgery on a grape. Um, the now he's just a junior. And he's one of the most prolific um, quarterbacks in that program's history. Um, he started his, you know, career under Scott Frost, who's now the head coach at uh, Nebraska, and he's thrown for eight thousand five hundred ninety-seven yards and seventy-one touchdowns with twenty-one interceptions. So, wow. Yeah. They said the guy went for the legs, but I mean, you you tackle by the legs. I mean, yeah. that's the best to take down. A well, player. I it, I can't tell if he went for it or he just kind of fell too. It was it yeah. was an awkward tackle. So the Knights went on to beat South Florida 38 to 10 to extend their winning streak to 24 games. So and one, guy, one, one guy writes in here, I dislocated a knee before. Believe me, I'll take a kick in the balls any day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, wow. yeah. so hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to come back. I don't know. That was, it was pretty brutal. So, oh, God. so we'll have to wait and see. But anyways, there's your Tanner Boyle makes me want to puke play of the week. We haven't done those in a while, Beach. I could have done like no. I had one I could have done last week, but we just ran out of time because we've mm-hmm. gotten back from our trip and everything. And so Kyle was like, "Are you going to do this one?" I was like, "Yeah, I was going to do it, but it can wait till next week because I'm sure Beach won't see it." And then this one popped up this week. So, do do we have a timeline that we try to follow within on our podcast here? I thought we just bullshit until we ran out of crap. What do you mean? 
I like, do we, do you try to like make this like an hour, hour and a half? What do we do? No, it's just, I'm just along for the ride. It, it's as I long, just hold on and it, pray to God. It's as, it's as long as I want it to be. We have a couple of these segments, the Tanner Boyle. Uh, we have the ballsy, stupid but ballsy. Um, mm-hmm. We have a tailgating segment that we can do. We have a Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Horrors segment. If you ever tell me you want to do another one of those, I'll put it in. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of as things pop up. If there's something I want to talk about or show you or just you know chat about, we'll bring it up. So right now, it's now time for Beej's Rant of the Week. I was driving home tonight, um, and a thing pops up on my phone, and it's about Kevin Hart. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, so Kevin Hart, you know he is married to this absolutely gorgeous woman named Nico Parrish? And she's like a foot taller than he is, because I don't know how tall Kevin Hart is, but he's pretty small. And, um, you know, and talk about a guy who self-deprecates. Kevin Hart's 5'4". 5'4". Okay, 5'4". She must be probably 5... Well, she could be in heels, so maybe she's 5'6". Um, doesn't show, just has a picture of her. Gorgeous gal. Okay? Ice, Ice, so Cube's, she, Ice Cube's only 5'8". Really? Yeah. I had no idea. He always looks bigger and all this stuff, but, you know... So anyway, Kevin Hart, probably one of the most self-deprecating comedians out there, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? He makes fun of his height, you know. Yeah. Just just a great comedian and, and actor. Um, anyway, so his wife posts a picture on her uh, Twitter account. You know, this is why social media just needs to die. Okay? So she posts a picture on her on her account, and it says, I don't know if I... Uh, so they have a son together. His name is Kenzo Hart. Okay? So she writes, and it's a picture of, I don't know, about 30 people uh, in front of, like, must be the backyard of their house. And... They're dressed in like Native American shawls and then some cowboy hats, right? And it writes, Zoe's Cowboy and Indians party was nothing but amazing. Thanks to everyone for coming. We love you guys. She captioned on the image. And it says, of guests draped in Southwestern wear. No, they're dressed in Indian garb, okay? And some have cowboy hats on. People go after her. Oh, my God. Shame on you. Culture isn't a costume. Uh, and then she goes in and she changed the caption and took off the Cowboys and Indians, you know, to try to, uh, and then it's just changing the caption and deleting the comments doesn't make your Cowboys and Indians party okay. Shame on you. Uh, throwing a Cowboys and Indians birthday party on Thanksgiving celebrates genocide, white supremacy, and slavery. Are those the things you, Kevin Hart, for real, and Nico Hart represent and are teaching your, for your, to your child? Would it be okay to throw a master and slave birthday party? One said, why don't you just have a slave and KKK party? Okay. The kid's like, I don't know, two? He's, it's first. He's his first birthday. Oh, first, first, first birthday. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, it's a freaking birthday party. And they threw a theme. And people dressed up. Oh, my God. Take a freaking chill pill. 
Okay, nobody got shot, nobody got scalped. I'm sure no racial things were were thing, and if they were said, they were probably said in a comedic way, just along the line of Kevin Hart. Okay, I I'm so fed up with this shit. I am fed up with all of this crap that nobody can have a good time anymore without somebody getting their panties all up in a goddamn wad. And I just don't understand it. You know, he's having a freaking party. They're dressed as Indians. You know, Billy, when I go to the casino, what do I tell you? Where, what do I tell people we're going to go see? You go see the engines. The engines with a J. Huh. And people would probably be, well, that's freaking offensive. Just kiss my fucking ass. <laughs> you know, we're going to go see the engines. You know, Mark Twain called them engines. He referred to them as Engine Joe in case you didn't know. And if you go to Disneyland, you go over what used to be known as Tom Sawyer's Island, and you go to see Engine Joe's cave. Okay? It's not cultural appropriation. It's goddamn history. And it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Yeah. And if you want to dress up because you want to make a story of it, you know, of my dad grew up with freaking Ray Rogers and grew up with a Lone Ranger and Tonto. And guess what? Tonto was a good Indian. Not all, not all Indians are assholes, and not all cowboys are assholes. So maybe these were a bunch of good Indians, and maybe the, the white guys were a bunch of good cowboys, and maybe they just had a good freaking dinner together over a kid's first, first birthday party over a Thanksgiving Day weekend. You stupid sons of bitches. Yeah. Let them just live their little life and let them post their pictures and say, oh, what a cute picture. Hey, I love the outfits. You well, know, it looks like you guys had a great time. Boy, I wish I could have been invited. What a beautiful home you have. Your wife is hot. Yeah, actually, <laughs> and, she, and, and she's 5'8". 5'7", 5'8", yeah. You know, um, and, and, and their little boy was dressed in a little cowboy outfit with little, with little like, cow uh, cow chaps on yeah. and a cowboy hat and a red bandana and he looks really cute and their house looks really nice and it says Kenzo's World, the Wild West and yeah. that's what their theme was you know, and if they wanted to dress up as slaveholders and KKK people or as blacks and KKKs I would have said, hey great, those sheets look awesome, you know, I'm glad you guys are having a good time. Who cares? Move along. Because, yeah, because it doesn't affect well, me here, well, and, here, here. and they're, they're, they're not making racial stereotypes, and they're not celebrating the evils that were done in this world. They're maybe celebrating the good things that were done in this world because not all cowboys are bad and not all Indians were good. And, and they're, you know, it, it's just – or vice versa. It just – it doesn't freaking matter. Mm-hmm. You know? They're just having fun. Yeah. Well, and the big thing it's, everybody always pulls up is cultural appropriation. That's what they always say. You're, 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 you're appropriating my culture. Here's something. You know what? You don't own your culture. Not at all. You don't own your culture. You know why? It was created way before you. It'll keep going on way after you. You don't own it. You know, and cultures, the fact is. Cultures bump up and rub up and influence each other and pieces break off and other things are brought in. That's the way it happens. You don't own your culture. Well, you know what was what was funny. I watched a PragerU video one time, and uh, the the or uh, it's on PragerU. But he goes out. He dressed up as a, as I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but he dressed up with with uh, with a sombrero and a Mexican shawl and uh, maracas, and he walks on a university campus, and all of these whites and blacks and other minorities that didn't happen to be Hispanic were all offended by what he did. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into an area where a bunch of Hispanic community is that. He asked them what they think of his costume, and they all liked it. Yeah. They thought, we think you look great, love it, appreciate it, you know, 
they didn't think he was being offensive. They thought he was celebrating their culture or at least bringing their culture up and making people aware. Yeah. Any way you look at it. And you know what? They have the ability to laugh at themselves. Yeah. And you know what? Kevin Hart has the ability to laugh at themselves. And you know what? I tend to laugh at myself a lot. I mean, we make fun of my, my excessive masturbation all the time on this show. <laughs> okay? <laughs> perfectly natural, perfectly healthy. Don't judge me. But anyway, for people, just laugh and enjoy it and appreciate the positive and quit bringing the negativity. Mm. Um, and you know what? I am absolutely jealous of Kevin Hart. It looks like he's got a beautiful home in a beautiful area with a beautiful wife and a beautiful kid. And he's probably pretty financially well off. And it looks like he has a lot of friends that came out to attend his little one-year-old's birthday party. And that's fantastic. Yep. I agree. So anyway, there's my rant. People shut the hell up once in a while and just throw out a compliment or don't make a comment at all. We do the whole thumper theory. If you can't sing nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Exactly. Here, you know, Beach. His little party on his little acreage isn't going to change anybody's views towards cowboys or Indians, positive or negative. And it should. But you know what? Move but along. Maybe Columbia Sports, maybe, or maybe uh, Pendleton Blankets. Maybe Pendleton sold a couple blankets. So kudos to the economy. Thank you, Mr. Trump, for the lowest unemployment rate in several decades. <laughs> well, uh, here, I'm, I'm going to throw some at you. Prime the pump for next week, Beach. What? When you're done, you can look up Peanuts, Franklin. Oh, I heard this. We'll the, save. We'll the, save. The, that. We'll the, save the, that the, one for next week. Save it for okay, next week. I, I heard about it, but I haven't watched it, so save I will watch the Thanksgiving week. Day special and see the racially motivated scene. Save it for next week. All okay. Right. All right, Beach. All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 120 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at HeinrichTailgator. And also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. And listen and subscribe on iTunes. Please do leave a rating review. You can also listen to us on your iPhone or Android device. Just get your radio app. Beach. Billy. Thanks for being here. Next week, hey, hi. Next week will be our, our last show for the, uh, the year. 2018. Okay. But we'll be back after the bowl All right, Beach.
All that right. was a good one. I try. Yeah. So uh, we'll do one more next week, and then we'll take a take a month off. Uh, okay, I'm just, sounds... just talking about Beej. You want to talk to him? Beej! What up, dog? He said, what up? Here, I'm going to unplug it. Go look at the monkey. Go look at Beej? the monkey? Yes, go look at the monkey. Hey, what, uh, what, what do you want for Christmas? I said to Jessica some books. Um, some light but light you light. can't read. Oh, shut up! Just go look at the monkey beach. What 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 kind of books do you want? What kind like of books? Like Ramona the Brave. <laughs> what is that? Ramona and Beezus. The mouse and the motorcycle. No. Ooh, the mouse and the motorcycle. That's always a good one. No. I was thinking more along the lines of Percy Jackson. It's better, honestly. What's Percy Jackson? It's a book series. Beach your bum. Oh. It's a book series. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Why is Beach your bum? Just because he is. Because he's not 14 or 13, dumb dumb. Anyways. Even my mom knows about the Percy Jackson books, Dad. She's also got the, the son that's 16 and a son that's almost 13. Yeah, I so, anyways. So you! I, that's why I know what it is. Okay. Yeah, I, I live alone. I'm a hermit. You know, Good I don't job, know anything. Beej. Anyways. So. Beej, if you were a hermit, you'd also hate your family. So, no, not necessarily. It's not like I'm a Unabomber or something. What the heck is that? You know, maybe you need to get some history books. Nicked up. Ha! So, anyways, all right, Beach, I'm gonna let you go. Bye, Beach. All right, I'll talk. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, Bye. later, Beach. Bye. Bye.